Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. This week's questions are all about training horses from the ground. Your first question mark comes from Beck. She's got a 10-month-old gelding, just recently been gelded, who has started to rear on the lead at a trot. So she's been getting him to trot because she's helping him to heal post that gelding operation. When he rears and he goes all the way up, he isn't usually being pulled on. He was initially taught to lead via driving, um, although he didn't actually take a lot to get him moving. And since then, Beck's been using your methods. So she's wondering if this rearing is because it's sort of a habit of the young mind and he's sort of a little bit playful, or is it that he's just not perfect at coming off pressure? Yeah, good question, Beck. I come across this leading young horses a a reasonable amount, and and actually just recently at a clinic there was a horse that was very similar, just, you know, once he got going, a bit of um, sort of, bit of anxiety, a bit of excitement, a bit of everything. They get a bit animated and, you know, these other little horses, same rearing and kind of all that sort of stuff. It doesn't bother me too much. I I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, There's some things you can do, which I would do when I've got got them, you know, in that sort of when they're doing that. And that's uh, I just carry a longer rope, like one of my long rein size length ropes, you know, about six metres. When I lead them up and they start to squiggle and worm and rear and carry on, I just let them off with the rope. Don't let it touch the ground so they can step over the top of it. Be very cautious of that. But let them go out to the end of the rope a bit and then just, you know, we'll just walk off in a new direction and just they'll they'll kind of squiggle and worm and then they'll turn and go in a new direction and then eventually they'll just kind of get it out of their system and they'll just start to travel forward and come forward. And, um, you know, I just walk around and, 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 and as they rear and they get a bit excited, they'll go past you and you just feed that rope out as long as you're not letting them gallop out so you can tip them over or something like that, you kind of want to get them earlier. And then just, you know, you turn a bit of in a new direction, draw them in a new direction and just go off in a new direction. And they might run up and you've got to keep the rope coming through your hand a bit because you have to say you don't want to touch the ground and them to step over the top of it. So you might have to feed the rope up a little fast if they've got a bit of head of steam up and then they'll go out past you a little bit and then you catch them on the end of it on the side again, like get them on a sort of a 90 degree angle, gently catch them bring them back and just walk off in a new direction and, and just keep on the go softly to walk and don't try and keep them trotting. Just bring them up, get them up to jog, let them run past a bit and then turn, go in a new direction. And just, just, just over time they just get it out of their system. They kind of, you know, wriggle it loose and get out of it. Um, another thing you can practice if you're just wanting to work on the transition um, in the forward transition, then you know, sometimes at that stage I'll use a little bit of a flag and I'll just push them back into pressure, especially if they've got used to uh, beating the pressure through a bit of driving pressure in their leading. You know, someone might have drove them up with a stick or a, or a breaching rope. A uh, breaching rope, for people who don't know, is just a butt rope that goes around their, their back end. And, you know, you pull on their pole and then you pull on the breaching rope and they come forward. Well, some horses, if you've used a breaching rope like that, they haven't actually come forward to pole pressure. They've just come forward with the anticipation of the breaching pressure. So those ones have never actually quite pulled back enough to really have felt that pressure and, and kind of searched into it and gone, oh, you know, maybe I should try forward. So in a quiet environment, um, and be careful when you do this, you just expose them to a little bit of worry in front of their eyes. You could even pick, take the hat off your head and just kind of shake it a little bit and they'll push back and they'll go, oh, and they'll feel the pressure and just hold, walk back, back with them if they kind of start moving backwards and just wait on them until they take that forward step and then keep practicing that until they say, oh, I, I don't want to push back, I want to come forward. And that, that gives them a lot of chances of pushing back, finding their own answer, pushing back and finding their own answer. Uh, and that'll also help. You just do a lot of those pushback transitions and, 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 it, and it'll help in the sense that when you do pick up on the field, they're so used to not uh, pushing back and then finding the answer that they'll come forward a lot better. So do a fair bit of that as well. And as I say, with all that sort of rearing and, you know, I, I, I call it a bit of squiggliness and they and they kind of, you know, they get trotting and they kind of get excited and they're not sure what to do. And then they're not sure with all those boundaries as well because when they're trotting, they're used to being free and trotting and, and all of a sudden there's these boundaries. So I, that's why I have a longer rope so they can go out a bit further and then catch a boundary and come back. And then they start to figure out when they feel that rope pick up to a certain point, there's going to be a boundary coming 
they start to understand that. But to give them a bit more room, um, opposed to having them on normal sort of three to three point three to four meter lead rope, you got got them on a longer one. And um, yeah, if you try that pushing back and then also give them a bit more room and just don't worry about it, just keep you just keep going on the move until eventually they just keep walking until they stop them down and and start to get used to it. And they'll they'll steadily enough after so many lessons, they'll they'll start to kind of figure it out and, and get a lot softer. Megan has a horse, Mark, that is quite stiff and she's wondering if you can suggest some exercises for helping her to increase her flexibility in her turns and circles. Now, Megan says it's not a brace. Um, she is just stiff and she's managing joint health and body work. So she's just wanting to sort of work out a way that she can have that softness and flexibility, especially in the circles and when the turns are smaller. Um. Yeah, it's a, it's always a hard one to know how how you know how far you can sort of get a horse to look into a turn and stuff like that, especially if there's some sort of things in there that could be causing the horse not want to bend, and and that's you know through stiffness or soreness or anything like that. So, but but a, a, like a good experiment, to, I think is really important to do first. Uh, and some years ago in Germany, I did this experiment. You know, I had a horse that came along, and three different professionals said. You know, this horse will never be able to bend. And I said, I've just got a bit of hay or, or whatever it was at the time. And I said, well, maybe we'll just see how, how how much this horse can sort of bend when it's interested. And sure enough, the horse had quite a range of bend when it was interested in sort of, you know, hunting for that feed and it, and it was its idea to bend. So uh, I think a good experiment that you might want to first look, look at is get something that the horse likes, uh, some sort of treat, and then saying, well, okay, well, how, how far will you, are you willing to go to sort of, you know, to have this, um, you know, don't don't sort of you know try and get something that's super high value and make it try and extend further than it's willing to. But you're just trying to say, is it willing to kind of like follow that around there and bend a bit here to get it, and can it kind of? And you kind of get a good idea of the natural range of movement before they get to a point that they're not willing to bend anymore. And then you can sort of work out as is how much pressure is causing the the brace versus, uh, you know. If it, you know, so versus if it's a, if it's a soreness or, or a stiffness in the horse, so do that a little bit first, and then and then work out what you can and can't get away with, or what the horse is willing to do, and then once you've sort of done that, then then you know to get the horse to yield to sort of the pressure of feel is something I like to do is just kind of put my hands on either side of their head, and just get them to kind of just gently stay in my hands and just flex a little bit from side to side, and if the horse has kind of got stiffness and there's a point that it can't bend any further, then you just kind of take it to that point and back off a little bit, take it to that point, back off a little bit and slowly expand that movement over time until the horse can gently, you know, come come through that. But a lot of horses are, are braced because of pressure and because of being braced a lot, there's a lot of stiffness in their body and things like that. So, but I, I guess all you've got to do is, okay, we do the experiment with the food if you find that the horse is stuck at a certain point and you still want that horse to look into a turn, then you've just got to work on some sort of, I guess, flexing exercises that, as I say, take it to the point of bend and then back off a little until the horse can slowly go a little bit further each time and just manipulate it a little bit uh, so it's comfortable with that. But that manipulation has to be then uh, transferred to the manipulation that you're going to use, which is the rein, the side pull, whatever, you, whatever you're sort of riding the horse in. So, so you know, you, you find out what's capable, uh, what the horse is capable of, then you hold the horse in, in your hand softly and just get it to kind of move a little bit, find out where you can sort of, you know, flex it to and, 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 and take it to in the bends. And then uh, and then in those bends, you can also start it to get it to move. So while I've got my hands on the head, I'll start to get it to walk into that bend. And then what I'll also do then is, yeah, as I say, transfer it to the tool that I'm going to use um, and increase the bend um and it's going to be just like uh but if you're finding there's a bit of a mental block to pressure as well so if the horse is bending around nicely to food but blocking to pressure then you know that there's a bit of that is is the pressure that's causing the brace and and that is is still a still the same sort of thing is you're just creating a bit of feel on the horse the horse yields a little bit things into that feel and you can do lateral flexion while the horse's feet are standing still to a certain point but I don't encourage flexion to get the horse to bend all the way around while it's standing still, like all the way around to your boot or something like that, because 
that is kind of like overbending the horse and teaching it not to kind of prepare for movement and, you know, prepare to think into a turn. So you just do little incremental turns that say bend a bit, look a bit, move a bit, bend a bit, look a bit, move a bit, and get them to start to lead and follow those reins. So from a standstill, once you know how far that horse can bend, as I just sit quietly on them, and, and, you know, people hear me talk about the one rein start, well, it's just pick up a feel, get the horse to flick an ear, look, and lead into that turn a little bit, and just do that on both sides. Don't try and make it go, and then say, now I'm going to turn you. Just say, I want you to look and lead into a turn. I want you to look and lead into a turn. And, and if that rein becomes a pathway, there's going to become more interest in the rein, so the horse is going to start to go, yeah, I like looking into that turn, just like I like looking into that turn to to find that bit of food that you gave me. Um, and slowly but surely you can start to work through, you know, brace and also um, a, a stiffness in the horse. Next question is from Deborah. She has a horse that used to be interested in her, but he was lonely, so she got him a paddock mate. Now he shows no interest at all unless she has food. She's tried sitting in the paddock and just waiting, but he comes and then if she doesn't have any food, he'll leave. She's wondering what else can she do to get his interest back? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one in a, in a sense because, you know, you, you want your horses to kind of come up and want to come up to you all the time and have that nice sort of interaction and relationship. But, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that causes horses not to be sort of super connected with us and some of that is past experiences and where the providers of pressure and, um, you know, and, and we ask more of the horses, you know, because we take them into sort of these different environments and stuff like that that in a when they're out in their paddock with their friends, they're, they're not sort of getting put through that. So they kind of know what is the good place for them versus, oh, that's that's a little bit more... Uh, if it's stressful and things like that, so so there's a few different ways that you really got to look at it. As, and but the first thing I want to say is, don't get that feeling of, oh no, my horse doesn't like me anymore. Um, the horse is just, you know, he's getting, he's got some good value with his friend over there, and you know that gives him com that that other friend gives him company and that sort of stuff, and um, and he's kind of happy with that. And now he's got that, he's like, well, you know, you might feel like you're the spare wheel, but don't worry about that too much. People worry about it so they, you know, they might sit in the paddock and want this deep connection with their horse and they kind of get almost anxious the fact that their horse is not interested in them and it's like, well, you know, don't worry about it. Just go and go and spend some time in the paddock and just go and talk to the other horse, you know, just go up and visit the other horse, touch it, go away, hang around them both for a while and and, and just, just be there as, as a person, not necessarily waiting for him to come and make some connection with you um, because, you know, sitting in a paddock's one thing, but, you know, why is a horse going to come over and stand with you just because you suddenly become, you know, important to them? Um, you, your importance is sometimes your value to them. And and as, as I say, the other horse's value at the moment because it's company, it probably gives him some, you know, um, a feeling of strength or whatever, whatever you know, whatever it is. Um, and that horse might have some leadership in there, whatever. But don't worry about your connection with your particular horse. Just go and just go and over and see them both, and just be around them both. Be part of the herd for a little bit. Don't don't worry. Don't don't get worried about you and him. Just worry about you know just going out there. Well, don't even worry about it. Just go out there and say, hey, I'm just with you guys. And, you know, hello. Don't get don't don't take it personally. Um, and then you'll find that his friend will get interested in you. He might come and say hello, and then you go and do your own thing. Go and fix a fence. Pick up a bit of manure. Don't worry about it. Just, just, just be a, a a strong, calm person amongst the horses. You know, you might give one a bit of a groom or whatever that they like, and just be amongst it. And 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 you know, things things will work out that they're interested in you and they like hanging around you as well. Just be part of the herd. Don't have some sort of relationship going with your horse. Just as I say, just be uh, a valuable um, person amongst amongst that herd and. And, and 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 that connection will grow, and the horse will, you know, hang around you and feel good about it just as much as the other one. But yeah, people get sort of worried, and they and they get lows and highs. You know, my horse not connecting with me. I'm low, and you know, don't worry about it. Just, you know, it is what it is, and um, it'll improve if you don't sort of focus on it too much. The other thing I want to sort of talk about. Um, oh, as sorry, before I move on, 
when you're out there, if you're worried about it, you're not showing that strength of going, I'm, I'm okay with myself. You know, just be okay with yourself. And, 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 and that strength is something that gives you that confidence and strength of leadership and, and you make your own decisions. And, and the horses see that in you and they like that. If you're kind of worried about, oh, he doesn't like me anymore, you, you, you know, it's, it's that feeling that, you know, you don't need to have out there in the herd. Horses don't like trouble coming to their herd, so you've just got to go in as that calm, not worried sort of person. And as I say, don't take it personally. With the other side of it, the horses that are okay with the education that we provide them, the training, when we take them away from their mates, if we can offer them some stability in us, clarity through direction and give them good coping mechanisms in a human environment, whether it be taking them to new places or educating them, they get a lot of confidence out of that and they, they, they start to feel good about the things we're offering them when they're in that sort of compromised environment. So obviously in his herd, he's not so compromised, but in a human environment, it's, 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 a, it's a lot more stress, possibly, possible stress for your horse. So the better leadership and the better guidance, the better tools that you give them through education helps them um, become um, better horses and, and, and also more connected to you. So, you know, you can sit in a paddock with your pyjamas on being the nicest person in Australia or the world with your horse, but if you go out and you, and you don't give that horse the, or show that horse the tools it needs to survive in a human environment and you don't have that strength of leadership that helps them through things and, and, and if the, the way you're training your horse causes it a lot of trouble, then no matter what you do in the paddock, the horse is kind of seeing that or feeling that that worry and lack of clarity in training so they're always going to want to hang with the other horses and not be around the person no matter how nice you might be when you're out in the paddock so what i say to people is fix the things that you can fix when you're training your horse that help make that horse feel better around training and more connected all that sort of stuff don't demand too much when you're out in the paddock just go out there have a look at all the other horses pat one walk away do something else come back don't don't go out there for some sort of you know, magical connection, just go out there and be out there for a bit and don't worry about much. And you'll find that everything will just start to sort of, you know, work out okay. And final question for this week is from Briar. She's got a question regarding using your belly rope. She's watched some of your videos with the young stock horse. She's tried it, but the rope kept sliding back towards the flanks, which he didn't like. Can you expand on how you use it, please, to avoid this from happening? Um, feed your horse a lot of low-value grass till they get a really big grass belly and then the rope won't slip back. Uh, <laughs> that's one way, but probably not the best way. But, um, but yeah, it's interesting because the horses that have that more greyhound kind of slender and their back is a certain shape, it's very easy for kind of a loose belly rope as the horse is moving at the walk and the trot to start to just gently slide back closer to the flank area where it's more sensitive. And and in, in training horses, you know, getting back to that flank area can be a little too sensitive um, un, until you've got a bit established with them. So um, there's a few little things that you can do. One, one is um, there's two ways to put a belly rope on. You can put it with the... Uh, the bowline, or if you use a, a rope with a with a with a ring in it, the ring's coming up from underneath, as if as if as if a ring would come up underneath that you're going to girth a horse up with. So that means that you're pulling up on it. Um, if you do that way and you don't have a sort of a knot in the rope, that ring will slip down and get a big long loop or, or a big open loop around your horse, and that loop will just easily bounce back, especially if your horse has no no belly. Um, but even if it did have a bit of a belly, because the loop opens up so much, when you loosen it, it'll just kind of hop back a bit. So you can you can put a knot, if you use a soft rope, you can put a knot in it that locks it off at a certain point. So uh, it's almost like saying I can tighten it up a bit, but when I loosen it, it's got a little knot which is sort of stops the loop from slipping. Um, but what you can do, which is a good way of stopping the loop from slipping, is have the loop instead of coming up from underneath, coming over the top. So basically the loop of the rope or the 
or the ring of the rope is coming over the wither and then when you pull on it you're actually pulling down on that so when it actually loosens it doesn't keep slipping through and opening that whole loop around their belly up and that kind of keeps it a little bit more snug and, and makes it a little less um i guess it, it it makes it a little less easy to start hopping back to the to the flank area um but otherwise the other thing you can think about if you're still having a bit of trouble with it you can always get a bit of balantine a little bit of string uh, make yourself a little chest chest rope that goes around their front just to stop it from slipping back any further. Uh, you can you can put it around a saddle, but if your horse hasn't, uh, if you're doing the belly rope to get a horse used to a saddle, obviously you haven't had the saddle on the horse. But if you're doing it for other reasons on a horse that's already a bit funny and you're just trying to get it better at leading with a girth or something like that or with the belly rope, you can use the saddle. And, and obviously once it sits in the saddle, it's not going to slip anywhere. But obviously for, for horses that haven't been saddled, well, that's not, not don't, don't worry about that. The other thing is you can take the rope and for the, for the really sensitive horses, I used to um, take the, the end of the rope up underneath their front legs. So, so it comes out, you know, between their chest and then comes around to you. And it, it's sometimes not as effective in getting that side pull on the horse, but all in all, it's actually not too bad at getting a horse to kind of feel that belly pressure you know, start to move forward off it and, and it definitely won't sip, slip back if you do that. So you, you can do that as well and that'll help help out quite a lot. But, um, you know, you've got to think about putting a belly rope on horses. You're doing it for so many reasons. Um, if you're having trouble with it slipping back as well, don't do a lot of trotting the horse out and trotting and go forward trotting. Just do more belly roping where you're just rocking the horse back into belly pressure, leading it forward. And a lot of soft just walking lessons, you can get a lot done in just getting a horse to walk softly forward to a belly rope, come across a little bit and not getting them out on a long line and getting them travelling because you do have a risk that once they get out trotting and that that's, that rope slips back. And, um, and and there's a point that the horse should be able to cope with a bit more flank pressure, but for the super sensitive uh, and, and the frightened horses, you know, you're better off keeping it in an area where they're not as sensitive and you can still educate them, teach them a lot without going to a to a sort of a, an oversensitive area that might scare them too much. But, yeah, just try those things and, and see how you go with that. There's always a way that you can be a little creative and stop it from slipping back if you think about it. So many things, so many tips, so your wealth of information, Mark. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you so much to all the members for their questions, and thanks, Mark, for your time. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everybody. Mark will be in Western Australia for the next three weeks before heading to South Australia. If you're there, he's well worth watching. Just imagine how much you could learn from Mark and his unique perception. He's been developing training that turns many of the standard horsemanship approaches on their heads for decades and to great benefit for all. Online training videos available now. MarkLangley.com.au
and assess I think really what the horse needs and by the sounds of what your horse is doing um, it's got a and by the sounds of it it's, it's quite strong to the right as in as in its primary focus is going through its right eye and counter flexing there looking to the right and I come across a lot of horses that when they're carrying a certain amount of anxiety they are have strong thoughts out one of their eyes more than another and some horses are more wary with that eye of all the things and stimulants that like you said around the arena it could be pushing off the arena having to look at all that stuff so and that's why I say we don't want to be riding what we want we want to figure out what the horse needs and by the sounds I think the horse needs to one learn how to steer better but also you've got to figure out is what's its dominant eye and how much anxiety is it carrying from other stimulants like your legs and things like that so so I think what you've got to look at is when I squeeze my legs on the horse and it goes it goes with a bit of worry and it goes oh I'm worried and it starts to draw through that right eye that could be something you want to go back and look at and work on how well does my horse accelerate now this is not fixing I'm not going to really go into the detail of fixing acceleration I'm just saying they could be one of the key things that cause the horse's anxiety to go up to make it worry and either you know push through uh, or, or draw through its 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 more confident eye um, but I'm going to talk more about the steering and so basically when I sit on a horse that is crooked uh, whether it be through anxiety whatever um, I just pick up on the reins one rein at a time I go what do and do you not understand and if I pick up a left rein usually you can feel it straight away if a horse is not going to follow a left rein no matter what, what speed you think you're going, what circle you want, um, you'll feel it. So basically, I don't have a desired direction I want to go. I don't have a desired pattern I want to ride. Um, I don't have a straight line I want to ride. I just pick up on a rein and say, oh, you're not very comfortable with that, are you? And I work on exactly that. So, so you know, I'd say you'd be picking up on that left rein and finding the horse is starting to block that left rein as soon as you lift it up and put a feel through it. So that's why I teach a lot of horses to lead through a rein before I squeeze them up into a rein. So basically I've got to pick up on a left rein, the horse flicks its ears, softens its thoughts to the left and says I would like to go left. And then by wanting to go left it loosens up the jaw, looks into the turn and follows that rein. And you might have to sit there for quite a while and do a lot of transitions just picking up on the left rein and the horse just lets go of a right thought and rewarding that. So that means instead of the horse just flicking the ear, because some horses will flick an ear back and go gotcha but it'll still be focused out that right eye. Well, I'm not happy with flicking an ear and saying I've noticed the rain, but I still want to look over there. I want it to let go of the right thought. So I'd be picking up the left rein till the horse lets go of the right thought and keep doing that until it lets go. And then you say, now you've let go of the right thought. So you put a feel through it, the horse lets go of the right thought. Then it's to the left. Then you say lead to the left. And you might draw that rein open a bit and lift a bit and see if it wants to lead into that turn. And I would work until the horse can lead into the left rein, lead into the right rein, equally nice and soft. Once you've got that leading into a rein established, the horse is getting more comfortable, but there's also it's become more adjustable by letting go of the strong thought. And then you just start to add different rein positions in there. So once a horse can softly lead into the left rein, where well you can actually pick up that bend that the horse has already got by looking into the turn, bend a bit more, get it to move its hindquarter over by picking the rein up into your middle and lifting up. Um, but you know once upon a time I used to use an inside leg to fix that you know like you think do I have to put a, a leg on or you didn't want to go to a spur or something but I used to put a leg on and make a horse bend around my leg and then I realized why am I fixing a rein problem with my legs because the horse actually started the problem when I picked up the rein and I thought well I can't fix a rein problem with my legs I've got to fix a rein problem with the reins it's just kind of bypassing the problem that the horse actually blocks out as soon as I touch the rein so yeah, don't have anywhere you want to go, just get the horse to think softly left, think softly right, and then start to advance the rein positions where you can get the horse to bend and lift out. So the next thing, you know, apart from the hindquarter yield that I'd do is I'd, I'd pick up the rein up in the middle of the neck and get that width to lift up and across a little bit. Um, but you don't have to do perfect arcs and things like that, you just got to get the horse to turn. And this is a good saying that I say to everybody. And I, and I see this happening, like you go to pony club, you go to adult rider club, people, you give them people a bit of flat ground, they start to do circles and figure of eights and they kind of got this horse on this set sort of pattern that they got to ride like the horse is a motor transport. 
and and I, I I got a saying that I say, go out and teach your horse how to turn. Come back and show me one perfect circle. Don't do a thousand circles to try and teach your house, horse how to do one perfect circle. So basically, once a horse can follow a rein, the only person that has to know the circle is you, because if a horse can steer correctly, it'll steer wherever you steer it. So just teach your horse how to steer. Don't have any desired direction, just figure out where it doesn't understand something, teach it how to steer. And then later on, go back to do your, you know, whatever circle you want. But by that time, you should be able to drop the reins, go in a straight line, pick up a rein, the horse can steer. Um, on the straight lines, if we use the reins to correct a straight line, then we're constantly correcting the horse and using the left and right rein to make it go straight which means the horse is not going to steer so well. So I hang my reins and just let the horse go straight and then I pick up a rein to steer it for a fair while until the horse is really good at knowing that straight, straight, pick up a rein means steer. If you steer, use your steering reins to straighten a the horse, then you're wasting the steering and, and the horse won't steer so well. So you've got to look at that as well. Um, but I've had a lot of horses, one in particular, which I'll just quickly tell you about, which is an older horse by now, it's about 20. I sat on that horse at a standstill and it took so long to get it to think into that left rein that by the time it started to think into the left rein it was getting the sweats and we haven't even gone anywhere, we weren't even going fast, we were just waiting. And then it finally, like the first thing it could do was flick an ear and let go of the right thought but as soon as it put a twitch of movement through its body, bang, thoughts went back through the right eye because I think it had spent its whole life thinking that safety's out there somewhere and it never actually committed to a rein and said, let go of that outside thought, follow the rein, you're not going to die. And the horse finally let go of that thought at a standstill and then it finally could pick up its foot. But as soon as that foot placed, the thoughts went back to the right. And then at about the 45th minute, the horse went, I can pick up a foot and place it and I haven't thought to the right. And then it sort of had a big kind of lick and chew and let a lot of tension out. But that's, I had to stop and go to another lesson. But when I came in the next day, well, the lady rode it in, and this horse floated to the left. And I said, just ask for a trot. horse just did this perfect trot to the left, and I went and just looked happy. It wasn't searching to the outside looking for safety. It had almost said, I've, I've given myself to the rain, and I haven't died, and I feel safe, and I don't have to destinate anymore. And I think that horse had always destinated through its right eye, never actually finally committed properly to the left. And now when I watch the horse, it actually turns a lot better to the left, and you've got to work on the right a bit more but it's not destinating, it's so much more present, so much so much um, more into the conversation and carrying normal amounts of anxiety instead of kind of, I'm just tense and I'm going around doing the right thing. And so for the horse, letting go and thinking of that rein was life-changing in the sense of trusting the pressure of the reins. And I, and I think for horses, we've just got to look at it like that. We're helping that horse, uh, empowering it by getting it to trust the feel of a rain and not think that rain is a trap. Cool.